When I retired, with lots of newfound available time, I enjoyed many travel opportunities. This podcast may encourage you to visit, revisit, or experience virtual armchair travel, learning about exciting new venues. Travel is an excellent vehicle for lifelong learning. Welcome to the What Travel Writers Say podcast. I'm Mike Keenan, your host, and today we examine Havana, Cuba. Canadian tourists have long enjoyed a North American monopoly on Cuba, its enticing weather and beaches, but thanks to U.S. President Obama, you might consider a visit to Cuba soon before it's overrun with Americans. Two American-based airlines have already resumed flights to Cuba. Havana, the capital, is a must-see. Classic V8 automobiles take one back to 1959, when the bearded, cigar-smoking Fidel Castro and his ally Che Guevara, the Argentinian freedom fighter and physician, marched into Havana with their rebel army to oust President Fulgencio Batista, dictator there from 1952 to 1959. The Cuban Revolution forced U.S. President Kennedy into the disastrous Bay of Pigs CIA-inspired invasion and the subsequent threat of nuclear war with Nikita Khrushchev, Russian missiles located a mere 90 miles from the Florida Keys. The 57-year U.S. embargo is still in effect, so there's no danger of obesity for the locals. Indeed, Cubans look lean and fit. Their aging buildings echo a colonial splendor. Hemingway ranked Havana second only to Paris in beauty. Now, clotheslines hang haphazardly on eroding balconies as locals survive on meager salaries. Nonetheless, they are proud and appreciative of Canadian tourists. For short rides, I take bicycle taxis that ferry me through obscure side streets, an opportunity to observe the real Havana. Drivers invariably shake my hand when I deliberately over-tip. Havana was home to author Graham Greene, who wrote Our Man in Havana from the Hotel Seville, and one can sip a daiquiri beside a bronze statue of Hemingway, a frequent imbiber at El Floridita, the restaurant cocktail bar on Bishop Street, across from the National Museum of Fine Arts. There are many sights to see here in Havana, the nation's capital, but these are my favorite five. Number one, the Christopher Columbus Cemetery, the Cemeterio Cristobal Colon. Named for Columbus, who was actually buried in Seville, Spain, this is one of the largest cemeteries in the world and certainly the most ornate. Built from 1871 to 1886, it's based on the layout of a rigidly symmetrical Roman military camp. More than 500 major mausoleums, chapels, and family vaults, many intricately designed, house the remains of notables such as Ibrahim Ferrar, singer and musician, and Ruben Gonzalez, pianist, both members of Cuba's celebrated Buena Vista Social Club, as well as major league baseball players and many military, cultural, and academic Cuban icons. White Carrera marble statue, The Three Virtues, sculpted in 1904, 
forms part of the massive main gate, 22.5 meters tall. Inside, I encounter an eclectic architectural mix from Roman temple to Egyptian pyramid to a medieval castle, the myriad styles ranging from classical to art deco. Some headstones and ornamental sculptures are pure works of art. At the cemetery's rear, I encounter the Martires del Asalto al Palicio Presidencial, an avant-garde memorial of shiny metal flags built in 1982, which honors students killed during the 1957 attack on President Batista's presidential palace. Located at the corner of Zapata and 12th Streets, it's a 15-minute walk from the Plaza de la Revolution, one of the world's largest city squares, dominated by the Jose Marti Memorial, with an imposing 109-meter tower and an 18-meter statue. The entrance fee is approximately $5 U.S. It's open daily from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Number two, the Museum of the Revolution, Museo de la Revolution. It sits directly across from the Palacio de Bella Arts. It's open daily from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., the entrance fee approximately $5 U.S. Housed in Batista's sumptuous presidential palace, the museum outlines all phases of the revolution, often in awkward fashion. The content gets tiresome, but the building itself, erected between 1913 and 1917, captures one's attention with the lavish accoutrements of royalty. The gold-encrusted Salon Dorado and the ornate furnishings of the president's office, used by presidents from 1920 to 1965. My favorite area is located outside, inside the fenced-in gardens. Here sits Grandma Memorial, the huge boat which carried Castro and his men from Mexico to Cuba to foment revolution, preserved entirely within a giant class case. Grouped around the boat is a fascinating collection of military vehicles employed during the Bay of Pigs invasion. Proud Americans will have some difficulty with Rincón de los Cretans, or Cretans Corner, a nasty graphic memorial put-down of George H.W. Bush, portrayed in a mural as a Roman emperor, and Ronald Reagan as a cowboy. Number three, Cathedral Square, Plaza de la Cathedral. There are four engaging plazas in Old Havana, but this one features the impressive cathedral. Its stonework composed of old limestone, the interior quite striking, and now jokingly called the Obama Church after his recent visit. The plaza is a handy area to walk about with attractive local art and tasty snacks readily available. Plaza de Armas is a close second with its terrific architecture, lush gardens around the Cespedes statue, locals selling Cuban history books, including many on Che Guevara, and old U.S. jazz vinyl record albums. Number four, the National Museum of Fine Arts, Museo Nacional de Bellas Artes de la Habana. Once a cavalry barracks, the National Museum of Fine Arts of Havana, with its three-tiered collection, features impressive artwork from colonialism to modern times. On hot days, it's also an attractive, cool, and tranquil place to visit. The entrance fee is approximately $5 U.S. Number five, a Malacon. 
The Malacan is a broad esplanade, roadway, and seawall stretching eight kilometers along the coast, labeled Havana's Living Room, where locals enjoy the broad view and sea air as the sun sets and the temperature drops, promoting a laid-back atmosphere as Cubans chat, play musical instruments, and fish. There are many runner-ups in this city, which include impressive fortifications and the famous Tropicana nightclub, which features exotic dancing and amazing costumes by attractive women and handsome men, all outdoors and under the stars. Old Havana and its fortifications are designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Many areas are being restored to their past glories, but sadly, many crumbling buildings remain unattended. I've been in Havana many times, and yes, indeed, I would happily revisit there again. If you would like to read my published travel articles about Havana and the places visited, check out my website, whattravelwritersay.com. And if you would like to view countless pictures taken during this journey, visit my Pinterest boards at pinterest.com backslash mustang6648 backslash. Once again, my website is located at whattravelwritersay.com and my photos are located at pinterest.com backslash mustang6648 backslash. If you have any questions or comments, contact me at mjk6648 at gmail.com. That's mjk6648 at gmail.com. We conclude each podcast with an appropriate travel quote. Today it's from famed Yankee catcher philosopher Yogi Berra, who said, Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Thanks for listening. Happy trails and tune in next week for another What Travel Writers Say podcast.